Welcome to Radio Rehab. Here's your host, Dana Keys. Welcome to the new episodes of Radio Rehab. I'm Dana, and I'm a recovering addict and an alcoholic. I'm clean and sober right now, but I've struggled with the disease of addiction for most of my adult life. It began when I was a teenager. I've had bouts of sobriety, and even during the bad times, there's always been some part of me that wanted to live life the right way, the way I am now. This show isn't just for addicts, it's for everyone. Some of my guests will be familiar to you, but their stories will be new, heartbreaking, and awe-inspiring. If you aren't one of us, you surely know us. We are your wives. Your husbands. Your daughters. Your sons. And we've gone through hell to get to the other side. This show is dedicated to the ones who didn't make it. I bought a donut and they gave me a receipt for the donut. I don't need a receipt for a donut. I'll just give you the money. You give me the donut. And the transaction. We don't need to bring ink and paper into this. I <laughs> I just cannot imagine a scenario where I'd have to prove that I bought a donut. Some skeptical friend, don't even act like I didn't get that donut. I got the documentation right here. Welcome to another episode of Radio Rehab. This is a show for all the crackheads, the critics, the cynics, and all my heroes at the Methadone Clinics. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Bob Ritchie, for the poem. I'm Dana. I'm here with producer Char. Say hi, producer Char. What's going on? These people don't think that you're not real. Today is today is going to be. I know she's she's actually not real. It's it's this amazing thing I can do with my voice. <laughs> Much like the epicatic fail thing, I can I can transfer my voice to sound like another person. So uh, today's show is dedicated to my idol, Mitch Hedberg, who would have been 48 on Wednesday had he not died as a direct result of this disease that we addicts suffer from. Uh, it was really tragic. I remember when he died. He died the same year my dad died. and um, Was it that long ago? Yeah, it was 2005. I remember because I was driving in the car and I was like, oh my God. Like another one, because it seemed like when my dad passed away, it's like a lot of musicians passed away at the same time, which I thought was interesting. And then it's like Mitch Hedberg passed away, and I had such a like. It's one uh, of those years, like what yeah, we're having like, right now. Like exactly, like the one we're having now, because that I mean, people were dying left and right, and it was all cool people, just like this year. Like you know, it's like one after the other, like David Bowie being, of course, the saddest. No, I can't say he's the saddest. It's like Alan Rickman. That was pretty sad. So many. I know. And Glenn Fry, it was like all in the same, like, what, five day period that those people passed away. So, yeah, the year my dad died, it was like that. It was Mitch Hedberg. We lost him. And it was the year I went on an 11 year bender <laughs> or a 10 year bender. Yeah. That was, that was a, a tough 10 years. I seriously, I'm, I'm going to have to write a book about it, about how not to grieve properly. You've seen uh, Mitch Hedberg live, of course, right? Yes. Okay, awesome. Yeah, so, so funny. So funny. And I remember looking at him going, you know, being a heroin addict, but I'm looking at him, I'm like, that guy has got to be on some kind of opiate. Either that or, like, sometimes I thought maybe he's just got that 70s vibe down. Right. Remember when he was a guest on that 70s show? 
He was like, okay, let's just say whatever. I didn't really watch that show either, but what? let's just say whatever place they hung out with at, at was yeah. like the Regal Beagle or right, something. Right. So he was like the guy who worked behind the counter. It was such a... St- and he used to make fun of it. He used to go, people will go walk up to him and they go, hey, you're funny. Can you write? Or, hey, you're a comedian. Can you write a screenplay? And he would be like, hey, you're a cook. Do you farm? Like, that's how he <laughs> felt about it. And I thought that was genius. Because he, he wasn't really an actor, but he was in, like, a really weird movie where he had a scene where he smoked fake pot with Peter Frampton, <laughs> which is so, so funny. Random. He goes, he goes but what's happened way more often is I've smoked real pot with a guy who looked like Peter Frampton. His delivery is just, I mean... It's genius. You just... I, I remember seeing him, uh, I think it was in, uh, at like the punchline or something in Sacramento. And uh, I remember just watching him just going, dude, this guy is freaking insane. It's like, I you know. just so, it's just like, who can, I mean, like, who does, you know, it's, it's so, it's such a different kind of call. Com- because you could not be successful. You could do that and just have it, you know, die before it hits the crowd. You could, right. you could act like that and not have it be funny. But he was so confident in that stoner thing. Half the time he did a show, did you notice he would like have his eyes closed? Yeah. It was so cool. But yeah, nobody else has a delivery like that. And when you hear people trying to act like Mitch Hedberg, it's just tacky because there can't be another Mitch Hedberg. If you if you are listening and you don't know who Mitch Hedberg is, oh, you have to find out and, and the, you're welcome. And the sad thing is is he he had such a cult following that oh, he total doesn't cult he, following. he doesn't get the kind of credit of what you know, like, you know, he's not um Man on the Moon guy. Uh, Andy Kaufman? Yes. You know, well, like, Andy Kaufman, but it's the same thing with Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman didn't get that kind of credit. Nobody really liked but, him until years later. Yeah, but people, at least people knew who he was. Oh, yeah, you people know what knew I mean? who he was. Yeah, like, he had infamy, kind He's of. got, yeah, he's got that, um, you know, like, not exactly a household name, but enough of a name that people will, if you hear Andy Kaufman, you'll be like. Because of Taxi. Right. Which is not why he wanted to be known. Yeah, exactly. But exactly. It's like he had, like, he had a name, you know? Yeah. Mitch Hedberg had a name, but it's just like, but it wasn't as big as he deserved. Oh, not at all. I know, but you know what's so cool is he was a comedian's comedian. So the night right. he died, remember we talked about this back when we were at CBS Radio. We talked about this. The night he died, every improv comedy club, and there's a lot of them, and not just improvs, all comedy place institutions across America had a moment of silence for Mitch Hedberg and all comedians loved him that, that's what I think is so cool is that like it's just you know yeah I mean well that's the thing isn't that the what they say is always the biggest honor is being respected by your peers you yeah know? exactly I know like I heard Chris Rock saying that like he was he was doing a show and nobody was laughing and there was only one guy he could hear one like guy with a maniac laugh in the back and it turned out to be Sam Kennison right and he was like that made his career the fact that Sam Kennison thought he was funny mm-hmm. I mean and that's that, I know that's true because it's like with Mitch Hedberg all these comedians like Mark Marin, who's famous now you know especially for because he had Obama on his podcast thank you very much <laughs> So he's got to be famous. Uh, and Dave Attell, all those guys were just huge fans of Mitch Hedberg. But all those guys are not addicts. And it, I know it was really hard for them, as it would be for anybody to watch somebody struggling with this disease. Like, oh, my God, man, you're so funny. You're so talented. Why are you a heroin addict? Yeah. I know. It was, but he, he will live on. I mean, people know his. It's funny when you listen to, if you, if you don't know who he is, Google Mitch Hedberg, and you'll thank me later. But you watch some of his, his shows on, you could see some of the video of it on YouTube, and he'll be doing a show, and the audience is yelling out the joke with him. Right. Because they know, because he's got those, one, you know, like, the one about, like, uh, hotels not really having a 13th floor, 
and the one about lighting cinnamon bun incense, <laughs> you know, like, but so he one time gets into an argument with a heckler. Look up Mitch Hedberg versus Heckler or something like that on YouTube, and you could hear how on time that guy was. He was just on point. He was able to, on cue, stop his act and just argue with this guy, and it was hilarious. I mean, he put, and like some guy trying to make something, trying to an, uh, answer the jokes or say the response before he would, he would say it. He totally clowned this guy one time. Anyway, that's enough about Mitch Hedberg. I, guess. <laughs> I was like, we could do a whole we episode do a about whole Mitch, Mitch Hedberg. Like I could play videos. Like, Good Lord, I love. I know. Let's put it. We'll put up. We'll put up a video uh, on the radio rehab page in honor of Mitch Hedberg. For about sure. That for sure. So let me give you the uh, email. You guys want to write in. Or call in or text in. The email is radiorehab at gotoproductions.com. That's G-O-T-O-Productions.com. You can call or text 415-496-9511 anytime, even when we're not in studio. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, kind of. Instagram, it's Radio Rehab Dana. So we've got letters from listeners coming up. Uh, Epic Attic Fail. One Epic Attic Fail is actually from one of you guys. You sent it in. Thank you very much. And uh, I'm going to start off here with uh, an on-air amends that, that I believe I need to make based on this letter. Dear Dana, I'm a big-time listener of Radio Rehab, and I have a resentment. Whenever you do Ask an Addict, you never read my question. I love you, but my feelings are hurt. From Carrie, P.S., I will get over my resentment if you read my question and answer it on air. So I thought this was pretty funny, um, especially considering what step I happen to be on right now. So let me <laughs> let me just do this real quick so I don't make my, my process any longer. Carrie, I would like to apologize to you for not reading your Ask an Addict question. It's not for any other reason, I guess, than it just maybe got lost in the shuffle or the other ones were maybe on topic. But uh, in order to make it up to you, I am going to read your question and answer it today on the air. Uh, Producer Shara, did you, did you find Carrie from yes, Los Angeles? Yes, uh, it's on your pile okay, over there. Okay, cool. So if this makes you feel any better, Carrie, we, we went through a lot of stuff to find this <laughs> so, that, so that you could forgive me and not have a resentment. Okay, here we go. I'm 20 years old and have nine months clean and sober. I live in an SLE, and they make us go to a meeting every day. How long do you think I have to do this and is going to one every day really necessary? Signed, Carrie from Los Angeles. Okay, uh, that's actually a good question, although I think it's kind of a personal thing. You, you know, it, it depends on you personally. Do you need um, – people usually say to me when I would say, do I have to go to a meeting every day, they would say, did you drink and use every day? And that pretty much answers it for me. That, that puts me in a meeting just about every day because <laughs> I don't recall taking a break <laughs> when I was using and drinking. Um I've heard one guy say, and this this person I'm talking about has, like, a ton of time. I'm going to say 40-something years of sobriety. Mm -hmm. Someone asked him, they said, hey, you've got so much time in this program. You've got so much sobriety. Why do you still go to, do you still really need to go to a meeting every uh, every day of the week? And he says, no, I really only need to go to one meeting a week. I just don't know which one it is. <laughs> I thought that was, I thought that was really great. Nice. I, I know, it's like. Because you know what, like, don't, you might not want to miss the message. You might not want to miss the miracle. You never know when you're going to hear exactly what you need to hear. You never know, you know, when your question's going to be answered. You never know when you're going to hear your story. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like sometimes 
people always say if you don't hear something uh, that you like or you relate to, please, you know, I don't speak for the whole program. Go to a different meeting. And I, I tend to agree with that one. Um, when I was about Carrie's age, I remember asking questions like this, though. Like, do, how long do I have to do this? How long do I have to go to meetings for? And I remember someone saying, until you like it. <laughs> And I thought, of course, when I was 20, I was like, oh, I hate that part. You know, I could stand that answer. But now, uh, the way I feel about that now is I actually do like it. Um, I go because I enjoy it. Socially, I enjoy it. I enjoy socializing with other people who are like myself. I enjoy the fact that uh, I could be driving through any city here in Northern California or any city in the world, really. And if I feel you know, out of sorts, or even if I don't, I always have somewhere to go, and there's going to be family there, basically. That's how I feel. I feel like I have a family, and I can find them anytime, day or night. I, I, I know we've said this a bunch of times before, but it is, you know, having an, having a support system, you know? Having oh, yeah. people... I, I think we actually, I think we talked about that during the, the President's Day special when mm-hmm. we were talking about, you know, having Tori and Ahmed in your life, and it's just like having your community is it's like you need that especially you need that more because of you know your disease yeah and, because people like so like tori and, I, and my friend they were they were not they're not addicts or alcoholics but they were just somebody they, they were people that made me happy and they were good friends at a time when i was branching off and becoming friends with people who were bad influences and i think you know having people like that in my life saved me but yeah i i need people who are well, they, you you guys have a common bond. I mean, like, yes. yeah, exactly. Yeah, you yeah. can't. I mean, you can call me, and I could be sitting there going, oh, "I want to help you, but I don't know what to do." <laughs> exactly, <laughs> which has happened before. <laughs> I know it has happened before. Totally, <laughs> I know. As, as we always say, producer Char is not one of us. She's not an addict or an alcoholic. She just has bad taste in friends. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's that's 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 another thing that's so great about you know staying connected in the program is you've got stuff going on, and you know you're maybe you live with your parents. They're not gonna get it. And, you know, your friends who are not, who don't have the same disease could easily co-sign you doing something wrong. Like, say Carrie here went to her friend who is like just a kid in college and doesn't suffer from the disease of addiction or alcoholism. And she's like, hey, do you think I need to go to a meeting every day? And that girl's going to go, no, (laughs) (laughs) because she's not, you know, she doesn't need to go to a meeting every day. So you got to make sure you ask the right people that question. (laughs) Cause you know, but that's another, that's another thing that I always say is like the disease is, you know, that's kind of your disease working is it's like, Hey, go ask that guy. If you need to go to a meeting, (laughs) go ask that stone guy right there. You know? Yeah. Of course they're going to say no. So I, I I hope I have I have made proper amends, Carrie. I hope you can forgive me now that I've I've answered your I've read your letter and I've answered your question. And please continue to write in and and send us uh, your questions for Ask an Addict, um, or just send your letters. Uh, I'm going to do another another Ask an Addict here. This one is from area code nine seven eight. I'm not sure where that is, but what's up, nine seven eight listeners? Here's the question. Do you think it's okay to drink O'Doul's if you're sober? Um, I picked this question out of the pile because I think that's a good question. It's also a personal thing. So here's my thing is out of all the booze I drank, beer wasn't one of the things. I never thought beer had enough alcohol in it. You know what I mean? I mean, I was a straight whiskey or vodka drinker when I drank. Um, So I would never go drink a non-alcoholic beer 
because I never liked beer. So what, what would I be doing? If I did that, I think I think that would be me starting to kind of go out the door. That If I was like, I think I'm going to drink non-alcoholic beer, it just for me personally, that I think would be a, a big red flag. You know, um, also, I, th- I think, if I'm not mistaken, isn't there like a percentage of alcohol in non-alcoholic beer? I, oh, I don't know about that. I thought maybe there's a little, I... like, not, I mean, not like a full-on 5%, but maybe like half a percent or something. Um, I, but so, you know, if beer was your thing, you know, here's my answer to that question. Ask your sponsor. That's <laughs> my answer to that question, because I, I don't... I don't feel like I can answer, but I feel like it's a really good question, and I feel like, you know, uh, maybe you guys should bring that up at your meetings. That that could be a meeting topic. Definitely ask your sponsor, because if I was thinking I might have an O'Doul's or like a non-alcoholic beer, the the right thing for me to do at that moment would be to ask my sponsor, or to be to ask someone else who's got some some time, some recovery time. It would be to ask them, because I I'm not I don't you know. Leave it to me to make the wrong decision. Uh, I am reading here that it says non-alcoholic and low-alcoholic beers are usually less than, you're right, 0.5% alcohol by volume. So it would mean that you'd have to have nine of those (laughs) non-alcoholic drinks to equal just one standard beer. Right. And so and if you're out there drinking a duels saying there's no alcohol in it, but you're drinking like it alcoholically... There's another red flag. Like, if yeah, you have yeah, nine yeah. of those, how can you, nine O'Doul's, that's just crazy. I mean, I, I just personally don't like the taste of beer, but. Um, my brother uh, used to give up alcohol for Lent every uh-huh. year, and then we'd, but we'd go to the bar, and he'd get the non-alcoholic beer, but he only has, like, two, so. They I sell guess. non-alcoholic beers at bars? Yeah, because, I know, had no idea. For the. People like you. Oh, really? That's totally cool. I had no idea. I mean, not every... It's like... Well, the reason is because it's not advertised. It's usually you have to ask the bartender, do you have you know, right. non-alcoholic beer? And it's like hidden in the corner somewhere. Oh, right. Yeah, exactly. It's like, hey, can I get a 7-Up? Uh, and yeah. can you put it in a martini glass yeah. and stick an olive in it? Exactly. <laughs> it's like, I don't think they're, I don't think it's advertised on the big wall of, you know, right, different right. things that they We've have. we on. on tap. It's a good year. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's really a good year is this grape juice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that I I personally feel more comfortable just drinking ginger ale or something like. But I because I love the taste of ginger ale. So, well, like, well, what about you don't and like ginger be- beer? Yeah, ginger beer. Ginger beer has no alcohol in it. I love ginger. I love ginger beer. It's potent, but that has zero point zero percent. That has definitely no alcohol in it. They might make a hard ginger beer that has alcohol. Oh yeah, in it, probably do. But I mean, the t- the kind I have is like Reeds. Mm. So I mean, and and twelve year olds can buy reeds. It's well, I, like I like the one with a bite, the seriously hard. My ginger, ginger beer always gets spiked with something to make it a Moscow Mule. So. Oh yeah, okay. So then, yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. See, that's because that's that's why I know I can have a ginger beer at a bar that, that makes Moscow Mules. Because yeah, I used to be like, yeah, can I have a Moscow Mule without the ginger beer? <laughs> <laughs> can I have a Long Island iced tea without the iced tea? <laughs> Not that it's really iced tea. It's like what a squirt of coke. I mean, that was the first drink I got drunk on was a Long Island iced tea. 
at a bar because I thought, okay, that that sounds mellow. It's like what tea? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> How old were you? Leave it twenty. Oh, okay. Or maybe no, 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 no. I was nineteen. I was nineteen, and I, I put my ID. I believe said I was twenty-two. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could remember what the names were on my fake IDs. I had some really funny names, but so I, I hope I answered your question. Person in the nine seven eight, uh, you should call your sponsor if if you are thinking about drinking a non alcoholic beer. Now it's time to get to letters because we did not do uh, any of our letters last week. So I want to at least get to one today. Uh, last week we had some guests on. Next week we're gonna have more guests on. It's gonna be another guest type episode. So right now it's just me and you, and I'm gonna do a letter. This is really interesting. I love this. I I love doing this show because people have found me that knew me, you know, forever ago, that I've been through treatment centers with. Uh, some that I haven't been through treatment centers with. That you know they're kind of coming out of the woodwork and saying they're sober now. But um, it's really cool to reconnect with people. Like like this one person, uh, I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read his letter today. He goes by Patch. I'll explain that nickname later. Here is the message. If you want to write us, by the way, it's Radio Rehab at GoToProductions.com. G O T O Productions.com. Dana and I go back 20 years. We have seen each other at the highest and lowest points in life. She and I laughed watching movies. We enjoyed coffee on the patio and telling stories about our lives going to meetings all over the place. My favorite one was a candlelight midnight meeting in Julian. Going to see Dana's dad play before he died. I will always cherish those memories. Dana has an incredible heart of gold and would give you the shirt off her back if you are a person in need. I don't know about that, but thank you. I'm very proud of you. We are both still alive after all these years. I am very sick now and dying from mitochondria. I hope I got that right. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this correctly. Uh, mitochondria, but I still have my sobriety and all those wonderful memories. Yours truly, Patch. I will see you again in heaven where we will go for a cup of coffee. Remember the saying, be honest even when no one is looking. That's kept me sober all these years. God bless you and your family and staff at the radio station. Keep up the good work. Okay, totally hard to not cry reading that because, Wow. That's like the most intense letter ever. Holy shit. Yeah, man. I mean, somebody I, you know, got sober with, we went through a treatment center for chronic relapsers. Uh, it was called Pomero. I think it goes by Pomero Lodge now. It's in literally no BFE. It's Ramona, California, um, which is in San Diego County. And this is a bottom of the, this is the end of the road kind of place. It's like when you've tried treatment centers and you can't stay sober and it hasn't worked, you go to this place. It's like six to nine month inpatient. Then you stay in that town of Ramona and uh, you go to your aftercare and you still stay part of the treatment center. And it's like, I don't, then people kind of move away. A lot of people, I mean, I'm just finding out about some, a couple people I went through there with ended up getting married and having kids and they've been sober this whole time. And they have like 18 years or something. That's really cool. I, I know. So you went there for six to nine months? I was in there for six months. Yeah. Really? Six months. Inpatient, and I mean, we are in the middle of nowhere. There's only twelve of us. You know, I was barely in my twenties, and wow. and this place was so hardcore they wouldn't let you have caffeine or sugar. 
And when you're a heroin addict coming off heroin, let me tell you what you want. You want some damn Sour Patch Kids. <laughs> That's what you want. And they were like, I came in, you know, with what I planned on detoxing with, which was like Milk Duds, Sour Patch Kids, and Red Vines. And they were like, yeah, your mom's going to have to take those back home. And I, we, I you know, I lived in, in Hollywood, which was like two hours away from this place. And I was like, what? No. I, what do you mean? They were like, no caffeine and no, um, not alcohol, obviously not alcohol, <laughs> no caffeine and no sugar. And the reasoning was it hits the same pleasure center in your brain as cocaine, which I found huh, out is kind of true. So addicts who get sober will tend to abuse things like caffeine and uh, and sugar. And it's funny, they proved themselves right. Because when they would take us to meetings, oh my God, we would be at the coffee pot the minute we got there just getting jacked on coffee, except me for the first month because uh, I they didn't give me a whole bunch of meds to detox, and I did not sleep until I got my 30-day chip. I literally was up in bed kicking for 30 days, did not sleep until the night I got my 30-day chip. I think maybe I slept for an hour. Wow. <laughs> yeah. A heroin detox is the worst thing in the world. So what do you... I mean, like, I don't. What, what were you doing? You're just freaking just just sitting outside smoking cigarettes. It's back when I smoked cigarettes. I've obviously for forever. I smoked cigarettes for so long, but I would, yeah, I'd be outside smoking cigarettes, and then you'd see another person outside smoking a cigarette too, and you'd just be in the same boat, like fuck. And then you'd go back in, and you're in a room. Meanwhile. This the way the house was set up was like you were all like all of us women were in the same room. I think there was like five women at a time, all in these little like you know baby beds, like little kid beds, like uh-huh. little twin beds, all in a room. So you had to be quiet because they were all sleeping. Boy, I had to learn to sleep through stuff because there was sounds this like- one woman that snored like a wildebeest. <laughs> sounds like Orange is the New Black. You like sounds like oh my prison. god, that's why I relate to Orange is the New Black. When I watch it, I was like, dude, I've been in a certain type of prison because it turns out, you know, it's fun. You actually end up having fun. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of crying. There's a lot of intense work that you do on yourself, but you end up having fun like, like this guy here. Um, you know, you end up meeting people. His actual name, his name is Todd. I don't think he would mind me saying that because I won't say his last name. Mm-hmm. But uh, he, what happened is we became, we all became such good friends and we saw each other at our worst. I mean, I, we cried together. We talked about our problems together. Um, this this guy in particular is about like, I don't, he's incredibly tall, like six foot five. So we all used to do a thing, which is kind of very addict. Like this is after we graduated and we had our own apartments, right? So we would go into a movie theater and we would pay for a movie. But if there were other movies playing when we got out of our movie, we would go into that movie. Like, oh, so bad. <laughs> after the lives we came from, really not that bad. But so we walked into the end of a movie we had no interest in seeing, Patch Adams. So we walk in and we're standing in the back and I guess Todd is looking for us and he comes in through the exit door casting his huge six foot five frame shadow onto the screen. The whole audience looks at him and for some reason he goes, Patch Adams, you bitch. <laughs> and he walks out. <laughs> and I've, I've never laughed so hard in my life. It was like the, the laughter we had back then, the kind of laughter you have in a treatment center, the kind of laughter when you're laughing for the first time sober is that gut laughter that you just didn't have when you're out there, you know, when you're miserable. I, I mean, I didn't laugh when I was drinking and using. I did, but not the kind of serious gut laughter, like the silly stuff that you like that you and I laugh at sometimes, like ridiculous stuff. Like me getting excited and hitting my head against the wall accidentally every time I'm in your office, <laughs> which just happened. Well, I was like trying to think of all the times like in in the history of our friendship, and I'm like, yeah, we we've done some laughing. It has always been a ridiculous stuff. Yeah, it's just yeah, it was delirious stuff, you uh-huh. know. 
but half the time we were in delirious situations. Yes, so. in delirious situations, doing recon <laughs> and things like that. Things evidently I'm still into doing. But um, this is, it's really interesting for me to see this person. So this this, this is my friend here who wrote this this letter. Ha, um, his birthday, his sobriety birthday is in October. He has 10 years, so he will have 11 years in October uh, of this year, 2016. But he's dying from an illness that has nothing to do with drugs or alcohol, and he stayed sober through that. And I just, like, it's people like him that keep me going. I, I have another friend in the program who has who has a disease, yet continues to work a program diligently because um, it's always worse. If you get all getting drunk is only going to make it worse. It's just, it's strength to a next level. It is, really. it is next level strength. That's exactly what it is. Because, I mean, you know, is. what you're going through, obviously, is already, you know, it's already a feat in itself. And yeah. then it's like having to add, you know, you compound that with something else. Right. And it's just like, you're just like, whoa, you're way stronger than I am. I know, right? Or that's I how know. I would think of it. That's exactly how I look at it. It's like, <laughs> oh, my God. Like, you know, on top of all the issues that we have as addicts and alcoholics and how hard it is to stay sober anyway, I mean, just being sober, showing up no matter what and staying sober through the hard times, like... Um, someone uh, in the program I recently, it's, it's an amazing person who works a great program. I, I watched them go through loss, losing someone very close to them. And it just reminded me of how I could have dealt with the loss of my dad. I could have gone to a meeting, thrown myself in the middle of it and said, I am dying. I can't handle this. I don't want to be sober right now. And I... I'd like to think, I'm pretty sure, I would have been surrounded by people and I would have been lifted up and carried through it. And that's what I hear on a daily basis in meetings. That's what happens when you put yourself out there like that. Unfortunately, what I chose to do was drown my sorrows <laughs> in, you know, booze and drugs. First booze and, you know, then drugs. And, God, it was a like almost an 11-year journey of straight misery, and it was so hard for me to come back. It's like I, it's like your disease makes it impossible to come back. It tells you there's shame in going back and identifying as a newcomer again. You don't want to, you know, everybody looks down on you. That's not true. Like, I've heard people say, like, the program's the only place where everybody wants you to succeed. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants you to fail. It just breaks people's hearts when people go out. Nobody's judging. But, you know, when you, I mean, I'm just speaking from my personal point of view, when I went out and got loaded, I felt judged. I felt like everybody hated me. You know, everybody would have been like, ugh, she got loaded. If I, And that's just not true. People would have, you know, and, and I know, as I noticed, like, you know, friends like Vicky, who was on the show, it's like, had I reached out to those people, which I did, you know, reach out to those people and say, I need help, all they would, all they do is try to help. Right. You know, I just, I, but I wasn't ready beating myself up yet, I guess. I wasn't ready. I, I'm just glad that. My friend here, it's like I say, it's amazing. You know, like sometimes when 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 people in recovery pass away, they say they, they've gone to the big meeting in the sky. And it just it almost makes me want to cry reading what my friend wrote, saying, you know, one day we'll have coffee in heaven. I hope that's true. I hope there is a heaven. I'm sure if there is, um, maybe we won't have to go to meetings anymore, or maybe we will just because it's fun. <laughs> but this is such a, it's such a touching email, and it, it's so nice to hear from people who um, I was sober with and who have seen me at my worst. Um, we both saw each other relapse. We saw each other go back out there and use. And we were, but like, I mean, for a long time, I thought that he was using and I was scared. And I, you know, mm -hmm. like, I was like, oh God, I really hope that guy doesn't die because he was a funny guy. He was just a gem of a person, mm -hmm. you know? And I feel that way about a lot of people. And, and some of those people are dead. Actually, it's 
upsetting and scary to say a lot of those people are dead. Some of them we can't find. We don't know where they are, so we assume the worst. Because wow. um, at this point, you know, in, in this day and age, if you don't have an internet presence, something's wrong. If you can't find somebody on either Facebook or, or I mean, even just by Googling their name, if you literally They're just can't... an asshole that doesn't want to be on. Exactly, yeah. But, <laughs> they don't want to be. But, but you don't have the option to do that anymore unless, you know, you pay money to, like, have your web presence wiped. It's like, you know, <laughs> most people don't. You don't have the ability to really. Somebody will find you. Right. You'll get into some trouble. You'll win some, like, you know, dog pageant. I don't I don't know. What's it called? Where you go show your dogs? I don't. Somebody I was looking for recently. I was trying to find, and they were showing dogs at one point, and then they fell off the face of the earth, and I can't find them. Um, but yeah, so it's good to know that that you know it's like we're all still connected, and I feel like anybody who's known me at any point in my life, even somebody who doesn't know me, if they reached out to me for help, um, I would I would completely be there. And it's friends like this who keep me sober. And I really love what he said at the end of the letter. Is is about being honest when even even when no one is looking, mm -hmm. and I think the cool thing about that is that's how integrity was explained to me at one point. Um, integrity is doing the right thing even when nobody sees you and nobody knows that you did it, and you don't need recognition. You just do the right thing, and I think that's that's pretty cool. If you want to send me a letter, um, I just read this letter especially today. Um, because I, I, I told my friend I would. If you want to send a letter, you don't have to know me. I will still read your letter. <laughs> As in Carrie's. If you want me to apologize to you for something, I will apologize to you on air. And if you have a question for Ask an Addict, you can send it. And if you have a personal Epic Addict fail, you can send that in as well. Um, oh, wait. Did I say Epic Addict fail? I meant to say Epic Addict fail. <laughs> <laughs> I went to voice and speech school to do that with my voice. Here we have um, our first epic attic fail of the day. It's time for our epic attic fails. We're getting near the end of the show. Send yours to Radio Rehab at GoToProductions. That's G-O-T-O-Productions.com. Where did I put it? Here we go. This is from Bernice in Portland. Dear Radio Rehab, back in my drinking days, I used to get into a lot of fights because I always thought people were talking smack about me, and oftentimes they were. My friends were all pretty much the same as me, especially my friend Joyce. One time, she and I were getting hammered at a bar, and a chick walked in who Joyce could not stand. I went to get us drinks, and when I came back, the chick was on her back holding her face, and Joyce was standing over her. The chick was yelling, Why the hell did you punch me in the face? Joyce said, You called me a heifer. The girl responded, No, you told me to take a hike, and I said, Whatever. Joyce felt really bad, and we both got sober shortly after that, and now we both have 13 years. <laughs> that, that's pretty funny. That's a typically, that's how many times does that happen to any of us in our using? Would you call me? The person wasn't even talking to you. But yeah, so in this situation, the person, Joyce, thought that the girl called her a heifer, punched her in the face, and laid her out, when actually the girl just said, whatever. <laughs> It's like the story of my life. She hates me. You know, I'm still like that. I still have that that thing about me. I think that person hates me. Yeah. Oh man, I remember when um you had one of your you had a uh, a mini relapse last year. Mm -hmm. And you like you would call me constantly with stuff that you think other people are saying about you. Yeah. Yeah. You're I like, think people hate me. You're just like, I'm worried about this. And this is the thing is I forget that it's like I'm dealing with a irrational brain. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
And so I'm having I'm having a frustrated conversation where I'm sitting there going, what do you not get? Why are you worried? And I used to try, and I would actually say that to you and talk to you. I was like, I think I would actually say it in this tone, being, going, why are you worried about something like that? It hasn't even happened yet. Yes. Like, like what you're, you're you're thinking about the worst, and you're eating yourself up about something that hasn't even happened. Because that's what we alcoholics <laughs> do is we kill ourselves with our head. That's why they say if you're in your own head, you're in an unsafe neighborhood or an addict alone is an addict in bad company. Now you see now you see why they say resentments are the number one killer of all alcoholics <laughs> because that's what we do is we take that resentment and we breastfeed it, we give it food, we dress it up in a little outfit and we take it everywhere with us <laughs> and it becomes bigger than us. And you just can't that's why you got to squash resentments right away. The um and I guess that's I mean, yeah, that's one of the things that you've kind of let go of uh, over the years, you know, in your you know, in your now sober life uh-huh. is um, is your defensiveness. You oh, know? thank you. I mean, you there. It's still there every once in a while. Oh, it's still there. Yeah, but I mean, it's definitely not like anything it was four years ago. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, because at four years ago I was in my disease. Oh shoot! A year and a half ago. Yeah, it's like I was in my disease. I would say something to you, and you'd just be like, "What?" And I'm like, "Dude, I doubt I went." You kind of did. Maybe I did. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like yeah, when you're in your disease and you're an alcoholic and you're addict, you take things personally. And you're defensive, and everyone's out to get you. And it, what it is is because I hated myself, and I thought I was the world's biggest piece of crap, and I was pretty sure everybody else knew it and felt the same way. So I was defensive, and and I wanted to fight. It's like this woman Joyce, like nobody's calling her a damn heifer. The girl's saying whatever as a response to Joyce saying take a hike, which is completely <laughs> uncalled for. It's like all people are doing is reacting to us and to this thing that we're putting out there. Um, except in one situation, which we won't go into on air, where somebody really went out of their, somebody actually did that we both know go out of their way to attack me in public. But that person's also insane and belongs either in an institution or, I mean, at the program. And, well, no, I'll just go with an institution, possibly the program. But something, you know, it's like everybody needs help. I feel like everybody kind of needs a program in some way. Um, like everybody needs something in their life, and I mean that's why I feel really lucky. To be an alcoholic and an addict because I like, I like having a program. I like having a concrete method of a way of dealing with things. Let's get to let's get to our last our last. Let's get to our last epic addict. Oh wait, I mean let's get to our last epic addict fail. Today's epic addict fail goes something like this. A 37-year-old man is dead after his trailer home was destroyed in a meth lab explosion caused by him lighting up blue angels to amuse his wife. Don't worry, I didn't know what it was either. The man's wife was found lying naked in the couple's front yard, reportedly still laughing. A blue angel, she said, is when you put a lighter up to your butt and fart on it, making it catch fire. It's funny as shit explains the man's wife, who claims to be an expert on the subject. Normally, we would go to Del Taco because of their 59-cent tacos, but we made some extra cash this week, so we went to Chipotle. The farts you get from there could fill a gas chamber. Oh, wow. Does she even know what she's saying here? Well, okay. I know he's looking up from hell, laughing his ass off, saying it was worth it. She says, smiling through blackened teeth, 
apparently not caused by the fire. <laughs> oh, it, it gets better. The woman plans on suing Chipotle, which failed to address their peppers, causing a higher rate of methane and human farts. She offered the statement, I'm not mad about my husband dying. I just got my eyebrows did and they're gone. <laughs> Chipotle Mexican Grill has yet to respond. So we are posting this on our uh, Radio Rehab Facebook page because I'm sure a lot of people are going, no. <laughs> you know, yeah. We don't tell it if it ain't true. When you when you guys send yours in to me, I mean, I can't really fact check it, so I would hope that you would send me an honest one. Um, Radio Rehab at GoToProductions.com. That's G-O-D-O-Productions.com. Or you can call or text 415-496-9511. I personally think that's the most epic of all epic addict fails. That was so genius. That I, I've oh my god! Can you imagine two tweakers after eating? First of all, when do tweakers eat? But so t- two tweakers <laughs> go to eat at Chipotle because they've got some extra cash burning a hole in their pocket, and the guy's like, "Hey, check this out!" And he's trying to make a blue angel come from his butt, you know, by lighting farts. And the wife is laughing so hard, but then there's an explosion and she gets blown out of the house. And then poof, the meth lab, the meth lab goes up and farts. Or flames, or however. A fart flame meth lab. <sighs> can't make that stuff up. You can't make that stuff up. And uh, this happened in Florida. It's in Gainesville, Florida. And I would like to make a public statement. I, Dana Keys, am separating Florida from the rest of the South. Florida <laughs> is its own country. It's like So on Love Lines, uh, Adam Carolla, who's a genius, and Dr. Drew used to have a news report where it was called... Florida or Germany, which was news just so weird and wrong, and it either happened in Florida or Germany, and you had to guess which one. And it was it was a hilarious bit that they did, and I kind of tried to do that with Drunker Southern, but it, whatever. We, we, uh, we'll get back to that another time. I used to, uh, one of the other shows I used to produce uh, way back when, we used to do a, um, a weekly ep- uh, a weekly segment called I Heart Florida, and it would be all n- weird news from Florida. because right, the weirdest news comes out of Florida, which was, uh, like people are always like, oh, you're from the South, I'm from Florida. I'm like, no, 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 you're different, you're from Florida. You know, what's, what's kind of weird is Skinner is actually not from Alabama. They're from Florida, which I find interesting. But still, I'll claim, I'll claim them. I'm just not claiming this man who tried to light a fart and blew his own house up. That's absolutely insane. So that's all the time we have. Thank you so much for listening. I've given you our email address, our phone number. Send us your stuff if you want us to read it on air or if you just want to, you know, contact. I, I will respond to you. And I appreciate you listening, and I appreciate you writing in. This just in. If you have a birthday coming up, if you're clean and sober, that is, and you have a sobriety birthday coming up, I will wish you a happy birthday on the air. Leave your phone number, and if your birthday falls on a day we record, I will call you, and you can tell a little bit about your story on air, if you want. Or you can just leave your your um, first name. You don't need your last name. And I will wish you a happy birthday on air, because... Um, this is I hate when people say the struggle is real, but the struggle is real, and it's hard, and I think that we need all, all the support we can get. Uh, this show is brought to you by the Quadruple Tree Hotel. If you get that, you're on my side. Now go home and light some cinnamon bun incense so that your roommates wake up with false hopes. Rest in peace, Mitchell. And to the listeners, take your coat off and stay a while. This could be really great. Stay sober if you've got what I got. Sex and drugs and rock and roll Is all my brain and body need Sex and drugs and rock and roll